Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. If you would turn your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 11, as you stand with me, Hebrews 11, starting in verse 7. If you see a father around you, tell him Happy Father's Day. Come on, tell, tap him, tell him Happy Father's Day. Reuben, Happy Father's Day. I didn't see you come in like I normally do, man. You were, you were running by. I want to talk to you about a father that took it upon himself to not only save his family, but to save humanity. And so this morning, I want you to see in Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter that they call the Hall of Faith. Verse 7 says this, By faith, Noah warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith, or by his faith, he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness that is keeping with his faith. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to understand that, you know, when I got married, my, my, I started thinking, who is going to be my best man? Who's the person that can stand next to me in this time? And the only person, I tell you, I had great friends during seasons of my life, but my best man was only one person I could choose, and that was my dad. And I asked my father to be my best man. My, 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 and he's still my best man to this day. I looked like a little kid back then, didn't I? But that the reality, this, this, he was my best man, and he still, to this day, I consider him my best man because of his legacy that he lived, the things that he went through. A lot of people saw his success at the end of life, but they didn't know the road that it took to get him there. See, many people are looking at you at where you're at right now. They want your glory, but they don't want to go through your story. They want the blessings that you have, but they don't want to fight the battles that you you've gone through. They see you as a doctor and they're like, man, you've accomplished great things. They don't want to go through the schooling that it took to get you to that point. A lot of us want to be, want to focus in on someone else's blessing and we'll even complain that we're not blessed like someone else. But the reality is simply this. You got to recognize today that whenever you want blessing, it's going to take time to build that legacy in your life. Somebody say amen. So at the end of our lives, we're all going to have a headstone, right? And we're all at the one time or another going to find it. So I took time this, this week to do some study on some famous headstones. And check this out. One guy has a headstone that said this. Remember as you walk by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so shall you be. Remember this because you're going to follow me. Someone wrote a note under it and taped it on his headstone. And he said this. To follow you, I will not consent until I know which way you went. It's probably a good. Hey, be careful where you're following people. You got to know where they're going first, right? In Pennsylvania, there's a cemetery that has a headstone that reads this. Here lies the body of Jonathan Blake, who stepped on the gas instead of the brake. (laughs) These are true. I'm not making these up, okay? There's another headstone in England that reads this. The children of Israel wanted bread, and the Lord sent them manna, 
Old clerk Wallace wanted a wife, and the devil sent him Anna. (laughs) Do not say amen, gentlemen. Do not. One in Chattanooga, Tennessee says this, I came into this world without my consent, and I left in the same manner. When I was in Bible college, I used to drive from the school to a city called Douglas, Arizona. From Douglas, Arizona, drive to Tombstone, Arizona, where they had the shootout at the OK Corral. We would hold two services in the morning in Spanish and English, then drive to Tombstone an hour away, do two services there, then drive back and do another two services at night in Douglas, then drive back an hour to the school. We drove an equivalent of five and a half hours every Sunday. And I remember stopping by the cemetery in Tombstone to see this tombstone that said, Here lies Lester Moore, four slugs from a 44. No less, no more. True. These are, these are, this is a true headstone. Rodney Dangerfield, when he died, his tombstone says this, There goes the neighborhood. Some of you don't remember Rodney Daniel. Some of us older people do. Mel Blanc, or Blanc, the voice uh, for all the cartoons. Uh, We're talking, you know, Bugs Bunny, um, uh, Yosemite Sam, and all these guys. This guy, that's all, folks. Uh, Man of a thousand voices, beloved husband and father, and Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. On his tombstone it reads, free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. The last one I want to share with you is Jesus's. At his tomb, they have this written on the door of the tomb. He is not here, for he is risen. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. The reality is, is that all of us are going to have a date we're born and a date we die. And in between that is going to be a dash that will represent everything that you've done in life. Everything you've accomplished, everything you've done, your family, your relationships, your job, your money, your impact. It doesn't matter how great you were or how small. That dash will summarize everything. And every one of us right now is busy determining what our dash looks like. Whether that dash was a happy one, an impactful one, or a hurtful one. But every one of us is determining that dash today. It's been said life is made up of two dates and a dash. Make the most of your dash. You see, I want you to understand that through the life of of Noah, we see something very simple. I'm going to get you out of here in a a moment. This is a very short message I want to share with you. But there's three things I see through the life of Noah that I want you to understand, fathers, that we need. Fathers, that we have to step up. Men, that every, every man in this place is a potential father. Every man in this place is a father in waiting. Every one of you carry the ability to give life and bring life. In any one sexual encounter, a man will release almost 700,000 sperm cells out there that have the ability to replicate and reproduce life. Average. Don't tell me you're a loser because you won the first race you ever entered. There's a higher probability of you winning the lottery than being born. You outran all the other possible yous. 
You, you, you got there first. Come on, somebody clap. Say, give yourself a hand. You, you, you got there first. But I want you to see Noah. God speaks to Noah and tells him to build a what? A what? An ark. Because what was going to happen? A flood was going to come. And how was that flood going to come? It was going to... Never heard rain explained as hoo-hoo. It was going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. That the rain was going to come. But this is the, the, the weird thing. Rain hadn't existed up to that point. Up to that point, water came up from the ground to, to, to uh, wet the soil through dew. But there had never been rain up to this point. God speaks to the head of the house, Noah, and says, Noah, there's going to be a flood. I'm going to bring rain for 40 days and 40 nights. So I want you to build an ark to save you and your family as well as the animals and any other righteous person that will help or follow you. But no one else stepped up to help him. What I'm telling you this morning morning is that dads we have to have the ability to see what no one else can see that no one else has the ability fathers have to have that ability to see trouble before it comes no one else helped Noah no one else got beside him no one else said man you're no one else uh, stood beside him as he began to build they probably thought he had lost his marbles they thought that he was crazy but he knew that he heard from God to build an ark to save his family and there are things that we must do as fathers sometimes that have to that no one else will understand but you know in your heart it's the right thing to do that's what a man does that's what a father does a father has the ability to say things to do things that at times you might not agree with that mom you might not see that that children may not see but a father has to have the ability to see it's called vision somebody say vision you see without vision people die Father, you need to have a vision for your marriage. You have to have a vision for your family. You have to have a vision for your business, for your future. It's not just getting married and they're just going through life. What's your vision? Do you understand that women have been designed to be helpers, to be helpmates, to, to support vision? The Bible says to submit. Now, I'm not wives, don't get mad at me. Hold on for a second, okay? It says, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. That word submission means under the mission of another. So if a husband has no vision... A wife has nothing to support. She wants you to become successful. It's like the story of, you ever hear that story of when when, uh, Obama and his wife were driving up in their limousine and they drive up into the, they're into the uh, gas station and as they drive up into the gas station, Obama says, hey, that guy pumping gas is your ex-boyfriend to his wife. His wife says, she looks out there, and she goes, oh, my gosh, that is. That's my ex-boyfriend. And kind of with pride, he says, aren't you glad you married me? (laughs) If you had been with him, you'd be married to a gas station attendant. And she smiled back at him and says, "Mm mm-mm. If I had married him, he'd be the one sitting in the car, and you'd be pumping gas. It's a joke. It's a joke, okay? The reality is, is a wife has the ability to add so much support and vision to a husband. 
to, to be able to drive you to new levels. The things that I've done in life, the places I've gone, is because of the support of my wife. When she looks at me in the eye and says, there's nothing you can't do. See, dads have to have the ability to see what others can't. Secondly, dads must build before the storms come. See, it's too late to start building the ark when the rain begins to fall. It's too late to try to heal the marriage once the affair happens. It's too late to try to put the marriage back together or the family back together after everyone has left. We have to start learning to build an ark now before the storm comes. You have to determine your standard now. You have to determine your values now. You got to build that ark now, not when the rain comes. And many of us are too reactive. We wait until the crisis rises up before we try to get things back together. You don't know how many husbands I've sat with that call me up and say, Pastor, I need to meet with you right now. It's an emergency. Then I call them up and what? I got to meet with you right now. My wife's about to leave. So how long have you known about this problem? Well, we've been having this problem for about 12 years. And now you want me to show, you want me to drop everything in my marriage just to run out there To meet you after you've neglected her for 12 years. Not until she leaves do you want to pay attention to her. It's too late to build the ark when the rain begins to fall. Build it now. Divorce proof your marriage now. Cover your family now. Get to building now. Put things together now. No one might help you. It's going to be hard. There might not be people coming alongside you, but get to building. Start building because that's what fathers do. We build. Last thing I want you to see is this. Dads have to believe when everyone else thinks you're crazy. What are you doing, Noah? Building an ark. Dude, there's no water for 900 miles from here. If you're going to build a boat, doesn't it make sense to build it next to the water? But Noah began to build in a dry place. Oh, come on, somebody. You got to start building in your dry places in life. You got to start building in those places. You got to build even when no one else believes. Even when there's no evidence of your family staying together. Even when there's no evidence of God showing up. You got to continue to build. You got to continue to believe. I'm going to continue to believe for my children. I'm going to believe for my marriage. I'm going to believe for my city. I'm going to believe for my community. You got to keep on believing that he made it to the hall of faith because he believed when everyone else gave up someone has to have that faith to believe I remember at, at a point in my, my life you know I, I my dad used to save coins and what, what he used to do is he used to find any any silver dollar and back in the day silver dollars were made of silver that's why they called them silver dollars so now if you find a silver dollar it's worth more than that dollar just from the weight of the silver And so my dad would would find those and he would say, you can tell by looking at the edge of it, you don't see any copper in it. So my dad saved these things and he would put them in his sock drawer and wrap them up in in paper, in, in paper and then tape them down. I was a broke teenage kid. Didn't have a clue what the value of those things were. So I get in there with the... I would get in there with the razor and cut the top off. 
drop a couple coins out and retape it. Hey, I wasn't always saved. Come on. I was always doing, I was always taking money from my dad's sock drawer and things like that. And this one time, one time I didn't. All the other times I did, but this one time I didn't. My dad came down and says, what did you took? You took money. He came into my room. He opened the door, actually came into his room because the house belonged to him. Come on, somebody. Kids, you ain't got a room. Let's get that clear. You have no room until you pay rent and you have your name on the mortgage. You, you are, it is still dad's room. It's mom's room. You just, they let you live there. All right, let's, let's get that. Uh, somebody say amen. All right. You just, you just let your... You're a tenant right now, all right? We, we... Dad came into his room where I was staying. He says, you took more money from me, didn't you? I said, I didn't take anything. He said, yes, you did. I know you did. I said, Dad, I didn't take it. And we got in an argument. I was so hurt that he would think that I took money from him. <laughs> so hurt that I, that I, I, I ran away. I would... Ran all the way down to the corner. <laughs> I had nowhere to go. <laughs> that was the only place I knew to go. I, I needed to go home again. I, my sister follows me. She gets me, meets me at the corner. She goes, I'll take you to grandma's and you can hang out there. And I'm just ticked. I'm mad. I'm sitting there. Come back in the house and getting ready to go. My dad was already upstairs asleep. That dude could sleep no matter what because he worked so hard. Comes downstairs. And my dad always knew how to believe when everything else didn't make sense. And I'm talking about leaving. He comes downstairs and he grabs my hand, grabs my mom's hand, my sister's, and we're standing there in the living room holding hands. I'm like, oh, no, 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 you're going to pray. We're not going to, no, you're not bringing God into this. Mm -mm. No, no, I'm mad right now. And he starts praying, Father, we will not allow Satan to destroy this family. So, so what you're saying is that if I continue with my anger, I'm siding with Satan? He just kept on praying. All of a sudden, I start feeling my bottom lip quivering. I'm like, stop. (laughs) Tears welling up. But my dad always knew how to call on God, no matter what the times were in our family. Dad, do you know how to believe when everyone else is given up hope? That's a real man. What am I telling you right now? Noah's actions saved his family. Fathers, we have to have the ability to save our family. Are you building something that could withstand the storms of life? Are you building something that could stand? Okay, you got, you got a great business. You got a great career. You got, you got a nice house. You got the boat. You got the car. But are you building something that will withstand the floods and the storms of life? We need faith. We need dads today who have vision. Fathers today who are building. 
And dads today that have faith. You see, I want you to understand, dads, that Noah wasn't perfect. Heck, I'm not perfect. I had to get on my knees and apologize to my daughter last night. Because I blew it. But dads, we're not perfect. But we do have to be present. Be there. Just be there. I know you're not perfect. They know you're not perfect. My family knows I'm not perfect. But we got to be there. And that's what Noah was able to do. Noah ended up getting drunk after the flood. He was drunk so drunk he ended up naked in his tent by himself. You're not perfect. But God can do something great with you if you would just give him the opportunity. Genesis 7, 5, as I close. Noah did all, someone say all, that the Lord commanded him to do. Make your dash count today. Make your dash count, dads. Make your dash count, young people. Because right now, even as a young person, you're writing your legacy. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.